0: title of my sermon this evening is What is Truth? What is Truth? So on Sunday nights, as I kind of said, my goal has been to preach a follow-up sermon to whatever we talked about during Sunday school. My intent is that the theme or subject we're focusing on on Sunday morning during Sunday school is now reinforced in your minds on Sunday night. My thought has always been if you get it in the morning, you get it again in the evening, you're more likely to remember it tomorrow. You know, compared to just getting it one time during Sunday school. We are going to dig deeper into what we talked about Sunday morning or earlier today. This morning's lesson was the last of our unit titled, Engaging Culture in an Ever-Changing World. The lesson's title was, When False Religions Deceive. When False Religions Deceive. And the point of our lesson was that truth is grounded in the reality of who Jesus is. He has always been put... Uh, He has already been put on trial, and okay, I should read this first line here. The 18th chapter of the Gospel of John. In the 18th chapter of the Gospel of John, we find that Jesus has been arrested. So go ahead and open your Bible to the 18th chapter of John. Uh, He has already been put on trial and sentenced by the Jewish Supreme Court, the Sanhedrin. They have sentenced him to death, but the problem is they don't have the power to put him to death. So he then finds himself standing before Pontius Pilate, Roman governor of Judea, of that that southern region of what we know as Israel. That included, of course, Jerusalem and Bethlehem. So John chapter 18, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to read verse 33 down to 40 as we see the interview, if you want to call it that, that Pontius Pilate had with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. After trying to release himself, the Pontius Pilate, the governor, was trying to release himself from the situation, uh, you know, as in he wanted to get out of the making a decision on, on Christ, Pilate has a private interview with Jesus. So let's take a look, verse 33. I'm going to go ahead and read John chapter 18, verse 33, all the way down to verse 40. John 18, starting at verse 33, says this. Therefore Pilate entered again into the plantarium and summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you saying this on your own initiative, or did others tell you about me? Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priest delivered you to me. Have you or what have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Therefore, Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And then Pilate says in the first half of verse 38, which is the key here, uh, Pilate said to him, what is truth? And I'm not going to read to the end of the chapter. You already know the end of the story. He eventually goes, he attempts to get Jesus off the hook again. The Jewish people, the the leaders of the Jewish religion, did not allow that to happen. Eventually, Jesus was uh, placed in their hands and crucified so that our sins could be forgiven. But, of course, three days later, he rose from the grave so that we can go to heaven when we die. But the question I want to look at is the one that Pilate himself ended his conversation with Christ with. What is truth? Christians need to be concerned about what the truth is about Christ. Our world has manipulated and spread false teachings about the true identity of Jesus. This teaching has even infiltrated many parts of our own Christian church. I'm saying legitimate Christian churches that have been infiltrated even today with this false information. But the question I have is how do Christians combat the false teachings we face? How do Christians combat the false teachings we face? I think that the Apostle John has the perfect answer to this question in 1st John chapter 4 verse 1 to 6 so go ahead and turn there that's going to be my text for this morning 1st John chapter 4 verse 1 this evening 1st John chapter 4 verse 1 to verse 6 John near the end of your bible get past 1st and 2nd Peter then you get 1st 2nd and 3rd John right before the book of Jude as well as Revelation so 1st John chapter 4 verse 1 down to verse 6 so as a context let me kind of paint a picture here you have the Apostle John, he's in his much older ages now. He's outlived all the other twelve disciples. You know, of course Judas was number one. He, he he hung himself. But the other ten disciples have been martyred at probably at this point. By the time he wrote this letter, the other ten have already been put to death. Not to mention the vast majority of, of Christian not the vast majority, but a large portion of Christian leaders have been have faced immense persecution, including John. But now we have John ministering to this early church in the late first century. The community he ministered to was easily led astray by the false teachings of his time. Uh, This letter was probably written specifically to a certain community, but it could have also been looked at, and we tend to consider it as what we would call a general epistle, meaning a letter that was more generally to the entire church. John himself was stationed in the city of Ephesus which you hear the letter we, that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, John was probably a, an active member within that church to some level. He was the leading minister in that church. Now, a question I've always thought about was, why was John's ministry so much different than that of Peter's? And the answer I've always considered though, to be the best one, of course, you remember at the cross, we have Jesus on the cross looking down at his mother as well as John. And he tells Jesus tells John, behold your mother, and he tells Mary, behold your son, So John goes and takes care of Mary until her death. I mean, and in my mind, that probably prevented John from facing much of the persecution that the other disciples faced early on. So John's purpose in writing 1 John, though, was to remind the community of Christians he ministered to how important the truth about Jesus was to their faith. That was really his reason for writing the Gospel of John, and now that's his reason for writing this first letter that we have that was written from him. So, once again, the question I really want to talk about today is how do Christians combat false teachings we face? How do, the, how do Christians combat the false teachings we face? If you want to take notes, I have two very basic points. First of all, Christians need to test false teaching. We need to test false teaching. Look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 to 3. Uh, John the Apostle writes to, the, the, again, to, this, to this general letter to the church, he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come is in, in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the antichrist of which you have heard that it is coming and now it is already in the world. So let's take a look at these three verses. How do we test false teachings? Since many prophets or false prophets have gone out into the world, Christians need to test every spirit to see whether it is coming or where to see where it's coming from. Does the information coming out of someone's mouth, whoever that person is, come from the Holy Spirit within them? Or from some other influence, maybe an influence of the of sin or the devil or the world, meaning you know the antichrist, like it's saying, the opposite of Christ. The Holy Spirit's going to lead us towards Christ. The antichrist, the spirit of this world, whatever you want to call it, the influence of people who aren't living for Jesus are going to lead us away from Christ. So the question again: How do we test every spirit to see whether they are from God? How do we do this? Look at verse two and three. First of all, in verse two. John writes, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. There you go. So if the spirit is confessing that Jesus is from God, it is an accurate spirit, an accurate thought. Again, they understand what they're referring to with the spirit here is like Holy Spirit versus the spirit of the Antichrist. It's really what message is coming out of our mouths. So if the message that's coming out of my mouth doesn't confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, is, uh, come in the flesh and is from God then the, the message coming out of my mouth is false. But of course, that would be the next step here, the second verse here, the third verse, I mean, verse three, every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Bottom line, if you confess Jesus, if the message that is being preached is confessing that Jesus Christ is from God, then that message is from God. It is from the Holy Spirit. Earlier, I think we, we talked about pillars of our faith in Sunday school this morning. And um, I, if I remember right, the, I don't know if you guys had the papers that I printed off. Uh, they're not printed off. They were in the thing, and I copied them. One was of cults, and the others were of world religions, and they had the same six things on the top. And you looked at how the the different religions or cults, meaning, you know, Hinduism, Islam, um, Buddhism, and one more. I don't remember the fourth one, um, compared to um, also the being world religions, and you had cults being Um, The Mormons, the JWs, Christian Science, and there was, again, a fourth one. I don't remember. I mean, do those religions and or cults have the same views that we have according to God's word regarding Christ, first of all? And I've always said, you know, you got to believe Jesus is who he said he was, that he came to this earth to save us from our sins and rose from the grave following his crucifixion so we can go to heaven when we die. If you believe in Jesus, guess what? You kind of got to believe in God. Uh Uh-oh, we're in trouble already? Right? I mean, so if you believe in Jesus, you've got to believe in God. Jesus can't come around if it's not from God. And if you believe in God, you've got to believe in heaven. That was the, was the third one. There's no reason to believe in Jesus if you don't believe that you need salvation, or there's no need to believe that you need salvation if you don't believe in sin. You know, these are some very basic pillars of our faith, and it is these things that help us understand what is true and what is not. The key of all of it, though, is Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ isn't preached in the fullness of what the word of God says, then that spirit is not true. It's a false spirit. If someone is speaking a doctrine to you, meaning a, a theological principle that does not line up with who the Bible says Jesus is, then that doctrine is false. That teaching is false. So then my question is, how do we figure this stuff out? Right? How do you know? How do you learn these things? And they're the same answer to pretty much every other question I can ever ask you. What I call the big three. First of all, you got to talk to God through prayer. First, John chapter five verse fourteen and fifteen says, "This is the confidence which we have before Him that if you ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from Him." So you got to talk to God in prayer. Communicate with Him. Tell him what's going on. Don't use the excuse that he knows everything. Why should I have to pray for him? Because you pray to him. And my answer would be the Bible told you to do so. So pray to God. So talk to him through prayer. Listen to him through his word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequately equipped for every good work. So talk to him in in prayer, but then listen to him through his word. This is how he communicates with us. You open up this book, and you can pretty much read the manuscripts that God has given you. I mean, how awesome is this? Every answer to every question you can have, I think, is going to be found in the Bible. And then finally, so you talk to him through prayer, listen to him through his word, and finally fellowship with him. Through his church. That's why church is so important. It's important to be actively involved in a church and amongst Christian people. Hebrews chapter ten, verse twenty-three to twenty-five. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Meaning God who promised is faithful. And let us how to, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So these three things, talking to God through prayer, listening to through his, through, through his word, and fellowship with him through his church, help us understand who God is. Help us understand what the truth is. You can pray to God, asking for the wisdom that, that he talks about in, in the book of James. You can open his word and seek out exactly who Jesus was. And then finally, if you don't know how to understand this, guess what? I bet you can come to church and find one or two people that can help you out. You know, if you have a question for me, ask me that question. Try to stump me. I'm not saying I know all the answers, but guess what? I will go find the answer to the best of my abilities. I mean, and honestly, okay, if you came to me and you stumped me, you know what I would do? I'd pray, I'd open my Bible, and I'd seek counsel within the church, like the church, Christian church. Bottom line. So let's address the question we've been trying to get at here. Who is Jesus? Jesus is God in the flesh, 100% God, yet 100% man. Jesus is the Messiah, the anointed one, who came to save the world from their sins. Jesus lived a perfect life, died a sinner's death, and rose again on the third day. Yet, he never committed a sin in his entire life. Jesus' death was for the forgiveness of all the world's sins. His resurrection was so that the gates of heaven would be open to all who believe. Any doctrine or teaching that denies these key principles is false and needs to be rejected and resisted. So how do Christians combat false teachings we face? First of all, we need to test them. And number two, Christians need to resist false teaching. We need to resist false teaching. Look back at John chapter 4. So how do we resist false teaching? He tells us right here, verse 4 down to verse 6. John writes, you are from God, little children, have overcome them, and have overcome them, meaning the false teachers, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They are from the world, meaning false teachers are from the world. Therefore, they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So let's break these down. Look at verse 4 again. with me. Christians resist the false teachings of others using the Holy Spirit within them. He who is in the world, meaning the devil who is in the world. The the devil is the ruler of this world. Uh, We see that in the Gospel of John. So he who is in the world is the devil. Thus the Holy Spirit that lives within us is greater than the devil who lives in this world. That's the point. John chapter 14, verse twenty three 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. We can overcome the attacks of the devil, especially when it comes to the false teachings of others through the Holy Spirit's assistance. Now look at verse 5 and 6 again. Christians are from God. False teaching and false teachers... Are from the world, meaning that God is on our side. God is in our corner, and the false teachers only have the world in their corner. Not a very good thing. Even the devil's in their corner, but you know what? God is bigger than the devil. He's also bigger than the boogeyman, according to Veggie Tales. But go ahead and turn to me to Revelation, Romans chapter um, chapter eight. You can leave here. Go to Romans chapter eight. We're done with, uh, for, the, for the most part, we're done with First John for this week. Let's look at Romans chapter 8 as I um, head towards my conclusion here. Romans chapter 8, I'm going to start at verse 26. And we're going to truly see the, the meaning of this and how God is on our side. Romans chapter 8, verse 26, one of the most amazing scripture texts, I think, in the entire Bible. Verse 26 to the end. Uh, the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Rome says this. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called, those who call those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren and these whom he predestined he also called and these whom he called he also justified and these whom he all, he justified he also glorified what then shall we say to these things and here's the key if god is for us who is against us he who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us all how will he not also for us all okay who he how, how will he not also with him freely give us all things who will, be, who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or pearl of sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Bottom line, nothing can get in the way of you and God. Bottom line, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you are all set. The world's false teaching has no rule over you because only Jesus is there. Jesus is on your side. If we have God in our corner, the false teachers have only the world and the devil in theirs. Who do you think is going to come out on top? The answer is very simple. The reality is that the battle is already over. God is victorious. We win. The error of the false teaching is exposed by this, by the very fact that God is not in their teaching. Of course, the best way that we can address the issue of what is false teaching, as I kind of hinted at before, is comparing the false teaching of false teachers to the true teaching of God's word. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You see, the word of God will clearly tell us what is truth, and what is false. Christians need to rely on God's word and allow it to be our guide through all parts of our life, no matter what we have going on, but especially when we are combating the false preaching of these false teachers. Let me close up with this. So there's some everything up, Christians combat the false teachings we face by one, testing the false teachings, and two, by resisting. The false teachings i kind of was trying to think of a way to end this did you know that on april 6th of 1893 the longest boxing match in, in history occurred between a man by the name of andy bowman and jack burke the fight took place at the new orleans olympic club and lasted 110 three-minute rounds That is illegal now. They don't fight that long. I don't even think they fight more than 12 rounds anymore. Um, After seven hours and 19 minutes of fighting, referee John Duffy declared a no contest because both men were unable to leave their corners. They were beaten up so bad that they just couldn't leave their corners. Uh, they were just exhausted. If I remember right, both men considered retiring right after that fight as well. Um, the One of the men, um, he literally had every bone in his hands broken because they didn't box with gloves back then. I don't believe they did. They boxed with their fists. I mean, so to some level, that was an interesting fight. Um, here's the point. Sometimes life kind of feels like we're in that never-ending boxing match, and we're really not even, there's no competition taking place. We're just getting beat up. You know, we're that, that what, the, what is it, the heavy bag kind of thing, really. We're just getting punched around and pushed around. It is in these moments that we need to turn to Jesus. That's really the point of all of this. Our opponent in these matches is often false teachers and false teaching. The only way that we can come out on top is by placing Jesus first and allowing him to fight for us. Because in the end of it, you're not going to win. On your own, you are just lost and in trouble. But by putting Jesus first and allowing him to take the lead, everything else works out. Trust Jesus no matter what. Test false teaching using prayer, the Bible, in the church, and resist it no matter what. Let's close in prayer. Dear Father in heaven, I thank you and I praise you. Bless us now as we get ready to depart and as we get ready to apply all of this to our lives. Lord, allow us to use our our prayer life with you, uh, our study of the word, our our hearing of it, reading it, studying it, memorizing and meditating on your word. Lord, allow us to use your word as the tool that helps us understand what is true and what is false when it comes to Christian doctrine. And then finally, help us use your church as well. Help us use each other to lift us up and, and carry us around when we're in need, but also, again, in our context when we have questions regarding the false teaching of others. Lord, we just ask that you also help us resist it. If that's what it takes, help us fight it off. It's going to be tempting to fall to false teaching because sometimes that false teaching is exciting from an emotional perspective. It looks good. It sounds good. It's tempting. That's the point of it. But when we put our trust in you and know what is true and what is false, we'll be able to judge those false teachings more clearly and know what is true and resist them at all costs. I thank you and I praise you in your wonderful name. Amen.